I am God. There is a requirement. Stop and know. Be still and know. And the hardest part sometimes isn't the believing that God is God, but it is finding an opportunity to be still. Carving out that, making it a priority, putting it almost on a sticky note and scheduling it out. Be still. And this is what I typically heard this week as I was trying to tell people, this is what I'm thinking about talking about, was, yeah, but you don't have any idea what my life is like. If you knew all the things that were going on, all the stuff that I'm worried about, all the things that are concerning me, you don't understand. I got to make sure the gas is in the car and the, and the bills are paid. I got to make sure the kid's on the bus. I got to make sure the teachers are, all have their gifts for the end of the year. No offense because we're doing that right now, but it's a good thing. All right, so the, the exercise, uh, I got to make sure I get the yard work done. And heaven forbid, you know, somebody's sick, you're sick, somebody else is sick. And the responsibilities that all come from that. That, you know, like yesterday, I'm making runs to get Gatorade. I mean, those are things you hadn't planned, weren't intended, but the priorities shift the minute the need shifts. And the stickies don't disappear. The, the, the chaos doesn't just uh, volunteer to evaporate. But you have no idea. But I tell you what, I bet I do know what pushes each and every one of us over the edge. You have any idea what that, what it is that will push every one of us to that breaking point? <laughs> Traffic. Yeah, that's a close. It's really that one more thing. You never know when you're at that breaking point till you hit the one more thing. I bet there's not one person in here that hasn't said at least once in your life, "Look, if you tell me one more thing to do, I don't know what I'm gonna do." If you call me one more time when I'm leaving the grocery store for that one more thing, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put it all back. Have we not also, you know, we, we have that moment where you hit the one more thing threshold. If you say that one more thing to me one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do. We hit the one more thing, but a lot of times all of these things have been going on and they're just the dailies. We don't know when we're going to reach that brink. Sometimes we sense it coming. Sometimes those around us sense it coming. And they take a little extra step to the left or the right because they can feel, they, it's almost like seeing a thunderstorm rolling in. But you never know when you're going to hit that one more thing. But we have to take the time to just breathe. You know, when I'm talking to a, a paramedic, and I know that they had to come to the house one time to help me with daddy. And, and it wasn't a, an emergency as much as it was a situation. Because sometimes when people fall and things like that, you need help lifting them up. And there's just all that. But I remember he was just telling him as, as he was getting a little panicked about the situation, just breathe. Just breathe. There's something about breathing that just calms you down. Or, or when you're having that anxiety moment and they say, just breathe. Just take a deep breath. Just focus on your breathing for a second. It's something that really is, is an involuntary response. Your body's going to breathe whether you focus on it or not. That's the point. But it allows you just to take a second and step away from the chaos of the moment. So I decided, you know how I am, I've got to look up everything. 
So I decided to look up breathing. And of course, the government makes it really simple to understand. So I thought I would, this is what it takes to inhale. I didn't get to exhale. We'll just start with just, with just the, the inhale part, OK? Because it is so simple, right? Uh, well, see, when you breathe in, you inhale, and your diaphragm contracts or tightens. It moves downward. And this increases the space in your chest cavity, which then expands your lungs. Well, then that intercostal muscles between your ribs, well, they begin to enlarge your chest cavity, and they contract, and they pull your rib cage both inward and outward. As you inhale, well, then your lungs expand. The air comes in through your nose and mouth, in case you were curious where the entry points were. And then the air travels down your windpipe. It's got to go through all these processes to make hemoglobin and oxygen. And then it goes through your heart and your pulmonary and your capillaries. And then it's carried through the network. Do you get what I'm saying, how complicated we just made? I didn't even get to <laughs> We're just on the inhale. We are just on inhale. We know how to complicate everything. That's just the inhale, the, the, the God-given gift to breathe in. We didn't even get to out. So just so you know, that one more extra little piece of trivia, one more thing, the average person breathes between 17,000 and 30,000 times a day. 99% of the time, you are not aware that you're doing it. It just happens. That's God's gift to you of life. It says breath of life. There it is, in and out. You're doing it right now. I, didn't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but you're doing it right now. Right? So when we come to breathing and being still, and knowing that God is God, there are some things we need to understand about it. Breathe is rapa. It means be still, to come from the Hebrew word meaning to let go or release. Be still means to release. So when it says be still and know that I am God, it means trust me with whatever it is that's making you chaotic. So in your stillness, Release to me what you're worried about. Release to me what you're concerned about. Release it and understand I'm big enough to handle it. Release. Be still. This is kind of interesting. And know is, is translated in the Hebrew as yada. Now I know what yada, yada, yada means. I had no idea. To know, to know, to know. I got to know, no, no. All right, I got it. And it comes from that, the Hebrew word meaning to acknowledge, to be acquainted. And my favorite translation is familiar friend. So when it says be still and know that I am God, it's saying be still. Trust me with, give me, release to me your familiar friend, the things that are worrying you, that are weighing you down, that are keeping you from, from being able to just understand that life does not have to be as chaotic as it seems to want to be. To be still and know. Be still. Trust me. Because you know you've had knowledge that I am, I am God. And that I can take, not I, I. When he says, I am God, that your familiar friend wants to take care of you. I am God. When you get to that passage in the, in the scripture, there's about, I think I counted yesterday, 83 different passages that help you understand who God is. Many of those we've gone over in other 
other sermons and things. But the things that I, I want you to focus on today, God is ever-present. In Psalms, it talks about he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is ever-present. He is all-powerful in Jeremiah. This is a song we sing. Our Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth with thy great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. It's not a song. It's scripture. It's a promise. Do you fall in there? Is that your life? All right, the God who made the heavens and the earth has outstretched his arm and has said, look, whatever is difficult for me is not difficult for him. And then in John, it talks about he's all-knowing. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts, and it knows all things. That's that part of us that says, you know, I don't deserve God's grace and mercy. I don't deserve God's care and love. I've done this, that, or the other thing. I don't know how many people I've met in my life who have started with, if you only knew. I don't need to know. He already knows and has forgiven you, has accepted you, is willing to take you in the path of grace and mercy because his heart is greater than ours. That's a challenge that we all have. We have a tendency to look at things the way we look at them and then assume that's the way God would look at them. Wrong. We have a tendency to deal with people in a certain way and then assume God deals with them in that way. Wrong. His grace is greater than mine. His mercy is greater than mine or yours. His peace, his patience, his loving kindness is greater than we can ever fathom. That's why scripture reminds us far more than we can ask or think he can do. Far more. Far more. Nicholas will attest to this. The other day when we were sitting in uh, the McDonald's drive-thru, it had just finished raining. You remember that hard rain we had? And so we were going through the drive-thru. Nobody was behind us. And I was taking the, uh, I was paying the guy with my credit card and we were talking, and we were talking through the window or whatever, and all of a sudden we hear all this honking. And Nicholas and I were trying to figure out, where's that honking coming from? Until I looked in the rear view mirror, and I realized it was the lady behind us. That's right. Stop, please, Nicholas. <laughs> so the, I looked back, and it was a lady behind us. Honk, 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 honk. And I'm like, I'm in the drive-thru. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I got nowhere to go. There are trees to my right. That guy's got my credit card through the window. Um, I'm sorry. And so I looked at him in the window, and he said, yeah, she just yelled at me in the, when she placed her order. And I said, I guess she's in a big hurry. And she honked, honked, honked. And I remember realizing all of a sudden my grace and mercy is getting twinged just a little bit as I looked out the window, and I said, are you okay? I thought, must be a medical emergency. Got to be something bad happening in the drive-thru. And she just screamed at me, hurry up! And I thought, wow. And I, and I should have probably just bought whatever it was she was eating. I was just so astounded she was yelling at me in the drive-thru. I, I kind of lost myself for a minute. And I said, is it? I even looked at the guy and said, is it a lot of food? And he said, no, it's an ice cream. And I thought, got to be diabetic. There must be something serious, serious going on. But no, she was just having a bad day. She needed what she needed. She wanted everybody out of her way, and this is what we need to do. But again, we come back to God knows all things. He knows what was going on in her heart. He also knows what was going on in my heart as I was getting frustrated and looking out the back window like, really, I cannot go any faster. But we all have those moments where we fall short. But God says, look, I got it. I know it. You don't even have to tell me about it, though I appreciate you coming to me with it. I already knew. You can't hide things from God. 
So if you want to sneak around in your faith and say, well, I'm going to do this, God will never know. Newsflash, exposed in the book, he knows it all. You can go do it in the dark, you can do it in silence, you can close the door in a room someplace, God still knows. So the only one that misses something in that, that pivotal moment of relationship with God is when you forget that God already knows. He's just sometimes waiting for us to fess up and say, look, I fell short. Sorry, God. I fell short. Please forgive me. I'm gonna, and then repentance comes with, I'm going to try to do better tomorrow, God. I'm going to do my best to do better tomorrow. We all fall short, but he knows all things, and he will forgive you for all of those things when you come to him and say, look, I acknowledge that you are God, and I need you. And when we go on to look at who is God, the, the descriptions of God, he's infinite, everywhere, all the time. A miraculous working God, full of power. He's the author of our salvation. He's the sure foundation. And when I come to Infinite, and I tell this story all the time, I was doing a, a documentary on the Satanist church, and they would tell me about how they had to schedule when, when, when the devil was going to show up at 12.15 here and 12.35 there and 12.45. And I kind of got to laughing, and the guy was like, he's kind of creepy looking or whatever. He fit, the, he fit what I expected to interview. You know what I'm saying? But in the back of my mind, I had the little tune, my God's bigger than your God, going on, because I wasn't intimidated by the interview. And he kind of looked at me, he's like, what's so funny? And I said, no, I was just, man, is that so complicated? That's so complicated. And I said, I'm used to omnipresent, always there, all the time. Man, that's complicated. So when you think about that schedule, can you imagine if you had to make an appointment with God? If you had to say, okay, God, Tuesday at, and there's all these people in the world that love the Lord. All right, Tuesday at 1.23 and 15 seconds, that's me. Holy moly. It would get so complicated talking to God that, that you would get, almost, I think you'd get frustrated with it. Because when I need the Lord, it's sometimes at 2 a.m. I need him 24 hours a day, don't get me wrong. But sometimes there's an intensity ping around 2.30 or at 3, 3 o'clock in the afternoon or maybe it's 9 a.m., or sometimes it's 7.15 when the bus is rolling down the street and we can't find the tennis shoes. There are Jesus moments that vary in severity, but are all day long. I can't imagine God saying, I can't talk to you right now. This is not your appointed time. You don't live on a schedule with God. He is always available for you. So knowing, by the way, when you know God, it means relationship. God wants a relationship with us that is more than just knowing about him, but from getting to know him personally. I can know all sorts of things about him. I have met theological scholars at Harvard that want to argue with me about whether the nail was in his hand or his wrist, and they want to go hours and hours over how could that possibly be, and they miss the whole point. He rose from the dead. The injury, no matter where inflicted, was healed within three days. That's a medical marvel in and of itself. And then, oh, by the way, he walked among the multitude. It wasn't just the 12 guys said, oh, look, here he is. It was multitude saw him arise and ascend. Let's discuss that. You want to get caught up on where the hole was. It, I, I realize it was painful, it was horrible, it hurt, it was, it was just an atrocity to watch anything like that happen. I turn away when I see it depicted in a movie. It gets on my last nerve. But the truth of the matter is, it was just a process to get to the point, which is resurrection. Let's not get lost 
on semantics. Let's not get lost. But those details are important for you to understand, but that's not relationship. You can know everything there is about the Shroud of Turin and know nothing about the heart of Christ. Know who you believe in. Know that he loves you. And that relationship comes. Can you have a relationship with someone you never speak to? We try to do it with this. Emojis and smileys and all sorts of stuff. And that's fine. Got it. There are places in life for that. This is not that relationship. This is the one you got to take, take a moment. In the truck, in the car, on the way to work, wherever. Take a moment. Talk to him. And then importantly, be still. Zip it for just a minute, long enough to listen. He gave you two ears for a reason. Listen twice as much as you speak. Through relationship, we realize that, that we are God's children. And it wasn't until I had a child of my own that I realized the intensity that that brings to that process, that mama bear mechanism that comes out of somebody's messing with your, your folk. There is a change in demeanor and relationship that happens. And as a, as a dad, as I watch people interact with their kids, if anybody's messing with their children, there is something that rises up and they're bigger and stronger than they ever were before because they're, going, they're looking out for their children. That same intensity God brings to looking out for you, to caring for you, to loving you. He wants you to know, I've got your back. Let me help you. But that's the difference. I guess maybe it's the same. Our kids even go through that process where they no longer want our help. They want to, you know, all by myself kind of thing. But we have to grow in our relationship with God through that period back into, I am a child of God. And that is not necessarily, I've heard people say, well, that's an indication of my personal weakness. Hello. We don't have it all together. We can't do it all by myself, ourselves. And yeah, there are situations when I'm weak, and even when I think I'm strong, I'm weak. So figure that out. We are never alone. You gotta know your relationship with God. You are never alone. In that still moment where you're with God, and you may be by yourself to have it, you are not alone. God is with you. You are never unaided. God cares about you and will come to your aid no matter what the situation or problem. And he has never once forgotten about you. Not for one second. You may have forgotten about him, but he never forgot about you. He is there for you. All it takes is to be still and know. Be still and know. I read this somewhere, and I don't remember who said it, so I wish I could credit the right people, but I have no idea. I found it really kind of poignant. It says, remember the sun does not rise and set. Instead, it stays still. It's steady and bright. It's the earth that turns to face the sun that is the light of the morning and the darkness of night comes when it turns away. It reminds me sometimes of our relationship with God. We're the same way. We turn towards him and we can easily turn away. It's a choice. It's a choice. You know, it's that old saying where you, you, you don't meet atheists in foxholes. It's that indication that when something bad is happening, all of a sudden you're turning on to God. But then when the something is over or the miracle has happened, there's this subtle turn away to something else because the immediacy perhaps isn't there. Or maybe it's a lack of understanding that God wants to be there for even when the little stuff. 
you know, I, 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 this is probably sounds really ridiculous, and like I've always told people, and you folks online, if you're listening, uh, I, there is a God, I'm not him. I'm telling you my journey. And so if you ever hear me say something that is contrary to the word of God, you go with the word of God. You got it? So when I'm talking to you about the things I'm going through, when I'm traveling through and I was, God was dealing with me about pray more often, pray more often, I said, okay. I started finding everything I could to pray about. So I, all right, Lord, I need a parking space. Okay, Lord, here we go. Need a parking space. Never fail, parking space. All right, Lord, I'm late for work. Got to get through the tunnel. For some reason, whoosh, the tunnel was clear. It was like God was saying, look, I care about the intimate details of your life. I'm really good at coming in with the big stuff. But he wants to be involved in our daily in and out. The daily presence of your life. Scripture talks about that constant attitude of prayer. I'm not talking about a piety where as you're walking through your life, oh, Lord Jesus, please give me the parking space. The whole world doesn't need to know what's going on right at that moment. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that me and him thing that's going on right here when it drops a foot from my head to my heart and I go, God cares. All right, Lord, help me. Show me. And then there's this really cool thing that happens is the more you listen, all of a sudden you'll hear that still small voice that says, don't park there. Don't go in there today. Go somewhere else. You need to go over here. You don't need to do that right now. And then later you hear on the news that something happened and you're like, oh, praise the Lord, I wasn't in there. Sometimes you don't know what all that's going on. But if you're willing to listen, God is willing to tell you. There are five signs that you need to know that help you understand if you're having a problem being still. Now look, I am confessing I have a problem being still. All right? I am in constant motion. So I'm working on it. Okay? This is a process. But this is really important things to see. When you can't remember what's next, you're having a problem being still. I'm not sure what we're doing today. Let me double check. I don't know. Let me check my calendar. I think that might be going. Wait, what was that? Was that your birthday? Right? That stuff happens all the time to many of us. Can you, you, you can no longer just relax or just be. The minute you sit down, your brain starts thinking about what else there is to need to do. All right? But I got to get this ready for tomorrow. But next Tuesday, this is going on. I better do that. Did I lock the car? It's constant. It bothers you that other people are not doing more. You're, you're mowing the grass. Nicholas did a great job yesterday. Weed whacking, all these kind of things are going on. You're trying to get this done. You're trying to get that done. And nothing will irritate you more than somebody else there in the same house with you sitting on the couch doing nothing. Because you got to get her done. And they don't feel the urgency or the intensity. They're popping the Pringles. Next thing you know, you're irritated. And you got to multitask. You got them, there's that part of you that needs to multitask, you know, the one that's on the phone, that's doing other things while you're talking to other people, you're doing the dishes, this kind of thing. Oh, sorry, I hit the button. How many times you hear me say that? She'll call me and a beep, 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 beep. I'm like, I'm sorry, that's me leaning on the button while I'm doing the dishes. And you have less time for God because you just have so much to do. All right, Lord, I got to get up at 5.30 because Nicholas has to get up at 6, so... Uh, we're going to work out some time for you then, but then at 5.30 I wake up and I'm like, oh my God. Right, so by the time I go, oh Lord Jesus, I'm so glad I've hit the snooze because I have fallen asleep while I'm trying to talk to Jesus about the day that's about to happen that I'm ex- I was just talking to you about being tired. And next thing you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm oh my gosh, we're going to be late for the bus. Chaos is ensuing. 
Am I the only one that lives in this world of reality, of just time and space, okay? All right, so I, I was starting to feel a little bad about myself because the list was getting kind of long until I realized that there are some folk in the Bible that are just like me and perhaps us. The story of Martha, okay? In Luke 10, 38 through 42, and the occasion was Jesus dropped by. Now, how many of us, when you see a car pull in the driveway, you immediately go into hyper-clean mode? Like, pick it up, put it away, beat up, shoot them all, okay, let's go. You, you, you straighten up your house as fast as you can because they were unexpected. Unexpected. All right, so Martha was really happy that he was there. This was not a lack of joy at all. Martha was excited. But Martha did what Martha does. She became busy. She said, oh, my goodness, Jesus, so glad you're here. Let me fix you something to eat. Now, that's my mom. The minute you walk in the door, let me fix you something to eat, honey, because that's how you welcome people, all right? So she got to cooking, because that's what you do. Now, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Healed the blind, the sick. I'm talking all the sea got still. The guy was rocking the miracle thing. She knew about it. And what was going on? Well, let me fix you something to eat. It wasn't, let me sit down and listen. Oh, my gosh, give me a hug. Let me sit, let's sit down. No, it was, let me get busy fixing you something, because I don't want you to feel unwelcome. So let me get busy doing what I do. Well, her sister, Mary, okay, well, she didn't join in. Well, that caused a bit of a conundrum in the household, okay? She chose rather to go sit down and talk to Jesus for a minute. Well, Martha's headed off to the kitchen. By this point, I'm certain she's rattling pots and pans and dishes and bowls and stuff because certainly she knew that cooking was going on. Get in here and help me, right? Well, it didn't happen. She sat down. She was listening. And it bothered Martha. And what did she do? Now, she had been in the kitchen cooking. Jesus came to visit. Spontaneity moment, right? Well, she took that opportunity to go and talk to Jesus about it and complain to him that Mary just did not get the point. And what did Jesus say? Anytime he's using your name twice, it's pretty much, really? Martha, Martha. Why are you worried and troubled about many things, but the one that is needed? Do you see those, those pings there? Worried about all sorts of stuff, trying to multitask with the many things, wasn't really focused on what was important at the moment. Mary has chosen the best part, and it will not be taken from her. In other words, once the food is eaten, it's gone. Time with me will cherish forever. It's time for us to choose the best part instead of the busy part. So if you come to my house, I'm trying to discipline myself. The first thing you're going to get isn't, you want something to drink or eat. I'm going to talk to you for a minute. All right? Then we'll get on to the eating. All right? But the point is, we get in a process, a habit of what we think is expected. Got to do, got to do, got to do, got to do. We've got to learn how to just breathe a minute. Take a breath. It's okay. If I come to your house and you never offer me anything to drink, we're good. If I come to your house and you don't give me anything to eat, we're good. Because I didn't come to see your food or your stuff. I came to see you. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell her. I didn't come for your stuff. I came to see you. I chose to come to see you. I can get something to eat down the road. Came to see you. 
so we're back to this again. That chaos, that, that stress. You're still telling me, look, Angela, you're telling me peace be still, but really, I've still got all of these things on my mind. The one more thing is I'm sitting here right now thinking about what I have to do after church. All right? I'm sitting here right now thinking, what are we going to have for lunch? It always turns into some kind of argument, and nobody wants to make a decision. All right? Isn't that silly? We all do that. I mean, it was kind of funny growing up. My brother and I were talking about when we would go to church, it was like we'd all get dressed, and it was dress-up church. So we all had to look good. Y'all had to get everything going on. Y'all all look good anyway, but you know what I'm saying. It was dress-up church. And so by the time he and I had fought our way into whatever we were wearing, and we're in the back seat, and we've been threatened three times between Odd Road and Trinity Church, y'all better straighten up. <laughs> we all walk in, very quiet, ready to go. Right? But that was just the norm of being kids and going to church and getting it all together. There was a, there was a process. There was a stress. And we were, we were making it a priority to be there, but boy, was it a, a road to travel to get there. But that was the reality of kids and church and dress-up clothes and all those things that we had to do in order to be there. All those things build up. And then the next thing you know, all those things that have built up become habits. And then they become expectations. And then they become normal. And then the next thing you know, you feel trapped by the way you're doing it. Not realizing you've got some options. Sometimes we need to just take a minute to breathe. All right, so I gave you a little blue <coughs> thing. It should have been yellow, but <laughs> I ran out of yellow, so it's blue. And for those of you at home, it's just a sticky note, sticky on one side, not sticky on the other. It can be a piece of paper, whatever. But I'd like you on the back part where it's sticky for you to write one or two words that keep you from being still. These are, this is for you, not for anyone else to see. There's no pass it to the middle, read it out loud, none of that stuff, okay? This is all just you to you saying, what is it that keeps you from being still? What is it? Could be one word, could be two words. Just pick something and write it on the back of that sticky note. All right, now. It's time for the volunteer part of the program. And I, I'll be honest with you, I already kind of set this up so that I knew I'd have a willing participant in the event none of you would volunteer. All right, so, <clears throat> so here's what we're going to do. All right, so volunteer, <clears throat> your lungs feeling pretty good? Now, now I, I knew that this may be a challenge, so I went on Wiki, and, and, and they will actually show you how to do this. Did you know there are 10 steps to blowing up a balloon? All right. Again, again, we have overcomplicated everything in life. But there, there are 10 basic steps. But knowing that you, the brilliance that, that I knew you'd lend to the process, uh, we're going to stick to two. We're going there. We're going to start here. All right? <laughs> All right so, okay, so. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I was trying, man. <laughs> so, so what I need you to do is put them with that breath of life that you got going on in you. We're, we're going to fill up. Uh, we're going to fill up this balloon, okay? All right. All right y y begin, please, okay. please. We don't want to. You know, it doesn't have to be huge. You can make it normal and then tire off. <clears throat> right, you good? I don't need you to pass out. Feel lightheaded. All right, that's good. I think you're good. When it pops in your face, I am not responsible for any injuries that may happen elsewhere. All right. So now. Top five things people worry about. You know what's number one? You know what's number one? Let's see. Now, Tanya provided the Sharpie, so let's see if it will actually. All right, so. Can y'all see that? 
So we got cash, we got money. That's number one, money, right? So most people, when you don't want to necessarily depend on God to help you with stuff, we put all our energy, effort, the breath of life that God has given us into trying to manage and all of that ourselves. Let's try another one. Keep that one going. There you go. What do y'all think the, the second thing is that we, that we worry about more than anything else? Need help? It is relationships. And it's not just necessarily relationship with you. Now, Tanya, you have let me down considerably. <laughs> All right, that's gross, isn't it? Okay. All right, let's see. All right. All right. So for those of you at home, in case I didn't make it clear, a pen that writes is critical to this process. All right, so there we go. All right. Excellent. Oh, and it's a sharp one. Let's see. Okay. All right. So it's, it's just, just love. The people we love in our life, they worry us. They're a blessing. Hold on to that. All right, here we go. <laughs> what do you think that third, and we're just going to do a few, but what do you think that third one is? That, that we, we put so much energy and effort and, whoo, man, we got to, it's a get her done process. What, what do you think that is? How's that coming for you? You doing good? All right, you got, got it. it, you got it? We're good. So, so it's going to be the uh, J-O-B, all right, because job and money are different. When you're retired, it's no longer about your job. It's about your money. And when you're working for a job where you're not making what you need to pay the monthlies, then it becomes job and money. But they are succinctly different. All right, so there we go. So we've got a lot of breath and energy going into that. What do you think? What do you think that next one is? There you go, Tom. All right. <laughs> what do you think that, that next one is that we... Uh, we worry about a lot. Uh, yep, it's our health, our health, the things we worry about, health, which I should just put a dollar sign on that one too. All right. <laughs> All right, so health, we're just going to go, oh, I just don't feel good. All right. So, oh, look, he's blowing them smaller. Do you see how all of a sudden things? Things are getting harder to handle, so I'll just make the balloon smaller. Very smart. Okay. All right, here you go. And we'll give you we'll give you one more just to keep you going. All right, what do you think of the top things people worry about? Number five. What do you think that's gonna be? Oh now see now do you see? Pride has gotten involved in the process. I referred to the size of the balloon being a little bit smaller, so now he's going to show me up and say, look, twice as big. Okay. Which is, oh, you go. You better, no, they better not touch the floor, brother. So, <laughs> all right. So here you go. All right. So this is going to be. The unknown. Dun, dun, dun. Whether it's the world or ISIS or chaos or crisis or family or kids or bus or whatever. Unknown. Now, we put a lot of God's breath of life into that particular moment, and then what we do, now, you can't let any of these touch the floor, but I just need you to kind of let them do their thing. I need you to balance those, because that's what we do on a daily basis, because while you're balancing all of this, you're driving the car, you're fixing dinner, you're answering the phone, you're doing all that normal stuff we do, texting, should I hear, wait, where's the phone? Give me his phone. 
right. Here we go. All right. So you know, I need you to text and tweet and, and manage all of this because the breath of life has gone into it. You know how to handle all these situations. So let's get them in the air. They all need to be balancing because you still need your hands to do all sorts of other things. So we need to get that going. And you know, there's just stuff that happens along the way. You got to get that in the air, man. You got to get them in the air. They, they gotta, you got to float. Here we Yeah, you got to get them up. Because you know, um, so, some days the checkbook don't balance. So, oh, that's out of control. And some days, well, I don't know. Alexa, I'm helping you here, but Alexa might be mad you forgot something. So, uh, so let's, let's get those in the air. Because what I'd like, now, now look, you can do better than that. Come on, come on. Remember, you're the guy that blew the balloon up twice as big. Here, here you go. <laughs> here we go. All right. So now, after we get all that in the air, we got our breath of life into it, we've said, look, this is what I do. I know how to handle all situations. There's nothing that can keep me from managing because I got it all going on. I got my quick in. I know how to do my finances. I got the job I love. I got all sorts of things going on. I'm not sure I have time to talk to God. I don't know. I don't know if I have time to talk to God or not. All sorts of the unexpected starts to happen. Okay? It's the unexpected. The, unexpected, the things that you're just not sure what is going to happen next. Thomas, Thomas, you better get back over there, brother, because everything is off the rail. I need him back in the air, brother. You got to get, you got to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, but look, I'm just going to introduce you to what I'll call Tuesday. All right. <laughs> there you go. How'd your finances? <laughs> okay. Oh, here you go. Here's your money over here, Thomas. <laughs> Woo. Let's get that unknown one out of control. All right. All right. <laughs> so did y'all like my, my Tuesday? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it could be any day, really, but you, you get my point. It, it's, it was my Tuesday this week. So don't go anywhere, Thomas. You're not done yet. All right. So before we... Now, all of that required a lot of effort. There's breath. There's energy. There's management. There's process. There's the assumption of process. And then all of a sudden, you, did you notice when he made the one smaller, it was, okay, let me make it so I can control it, right? So now, Thomas, what I'd like to say is let's try something else. Now, if God in the scripture says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The balloons there were light, but was it easy? Oh, no. Here, I'm going to borrow your chair a second. So, Thomas, let's try something else. I'm going to call this the Jesus factor. All right? All right? All right, so, look. God says, look, let me take your burdens from you, okay? I'm like, look, I got this. I got it. You're, you're good. You don't really need to carry these around with you every day. I got it. You talk to me about it, I got it. And then as you pray... You know how to operate one of these, right? You, you're qualified? Maybe. All right. So as you pray, you kind of turn on the ignition, basically, of God's fulfillment of his word in your life, right? So now, as you get with the word, don't let the... As you get with God, and no matter what's on your particular balloon, health and healing, God, I need you to touch my body. God, I need you to help me with my finances. God, I need you to fill my heart so that I don't feel sadness anymore. 
God, I need you to liberate me and give me peace. God, I need you to help me with my job and the crazy people I'm working with. God, help me with the traffic. Lord, I don't know what to fix for dinner. It's the little stuff matters. And then as the breath of life comes into your situation, you're then able. God says, look, I appreciate you talking to me about it. Here you go. And you know what's really interesting? This right here is our decision. This right here. Because we have this tendency to go, God, take care of it. Let me make sure it's there. God, take care of it. Let me make sure it's there. But really, the breath of life, that, that be still and know, has a lot to do with just letting go. You know, letting God know. Thank you, Pastor. Mm -hmm. Very much. Letting God know what's on your mind. And then as you grow in trust for him, the string becomes less important because you know he's got it. There's nothing, you can't overthink it. When your finances are at a point where you just need a miracle, you can't think your way out of it, you can't negotiate your way out of it, that's when a God moment has to happen. When your health is at a point where everybody says, I don't know what's going on, God knows. But you have to come to that point where you say, Lord, your yoke is light, your burden is easy. Okay, I'm going to choose to believe you got a miracle for me. And the only way I'm going to get that miracle is when I give it to you to handle it. When I give it to you to handle it. Now I'm all discombobulated. <laughs> so on the opposite side of that sticky note, I want you to write, breathe, be still, and know. And I want you to put that somewhere where you'll see it every day. I don't care if it's your refrigerator, in your glove compartment, in your car. You know what's on the other side because ironically, you never forget about the thing that keeps you up at night. Some reason it's always on your mind. Some reason you're always thinking about it. You never have to write a sticky note to yourself for the things to worry about. Do you notice that? But we do have to have a constant reminder that God has it in control, that God cares about you. Remember, be still with give it to me. And no was God loves you enough to be a trusting friend. So your friend knows your needs, wants to care for you. I saw this the other day and I thought it was funny. You don't always need a plan. Sometimes you just need to breathe, trust, and let go. I'm going to change it a little bit. Sometimes you just need to breathe, trust, and let God happen. Because we don't have the solutions. We try to think of every possible scenario of how it will all work out. Far more than we can ask or think is what God wants to do for us. We've got to get to that point where God wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to talk with him. He cares about every detail in your life. He's listening and responding to you daily. Can you hear him? Listen. Can you hear him? Be still and listen. Relationship with him is the key to hope. It's the key to life. And it's certainly that key to life more abundantly. Just have to take a moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, you are the breath of life. I thank you, God, that you sustain us. I thank you, God, you care about each and every need that we have. I pray right now, Lord, anyone 
who can hear my voice, Lord, if they are crying out to you and they need your help in any situation, I pray, God, they would just cast their cares onto you and trust you, Lord God, for the answers. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring peace into chaos. I pray, Lord God, you would bring love into hateful situations. I pray, Lord God, right now you would bring healing into, into sickness. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to each and every person listening. You would lift them up and help them to know they do not need to carry life's burdens alone. You are with them. Your burden is light and your yoke is easy. Take our burdens, Lord. Take them. I'm sorry, Lord God, that for most of us, myself included, you have to wrestle them out of my hand. But I pray that right now, Lord God, you would just take them. And that, God, we would sense your peace. And that we, God, would know and hear and understand your voice. Lord, if there's anyone listening today that says, I would love to know Jesus. I would love to know him that way. I would love to have a relationship. I would love to be able to, to just speak to him and, him and me know that he hears me. That can happen today. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Please come into my heart. Please come into my life. Teach me how to be still and know you. I'm listening. I'm willing. I need you. Thank you, Lord God, for everyone who prayed that prayer, no matter where you are. Whether you're here at church or you're driving down the road or, or you're listening by yourself someplace, God heard you. It doesn't matter where you are. It matters who you know. And he loves you very much. Thank you, God, for all you are doing for us and continue to do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for joining us today. I'm really glad that you, uh, you are listening. And if you have a need in your life, don't you hesitate for one moment. One word is more powerful than any word in, the, in any language. And it's the name of Jesus. Call on him today. He is listening.